the dual identities and having to be a solo traveler as a minority is kind of like the double stigma that you'll get from others. And so having to fight that is difficult, which is why it is important for students, not even just college students, but even those in high school to travel just so that they can see us repeatedly and kind of get comfortable with our presence. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. This week, I'm really excited to speak with Adriana, who is the blogger behind Travelpreneur.com and an educator who is an advocate for international education for minorities. The first time Adriana traveled was during a study abroad program in Spain. She was so embarrassed when she got lost in Madrid during the first two days of her program and immediately wanted to book a flight home. But she couldn't because she was a first generation student with no extra money. Yet that moment defined her entire travel journey. She discovered a new perspective to life, humility and global citizenry. Blown away by the rewarding experience, she devoted her personal and professional development to connecting purposefully to each and every country and city. She later volunteered in Quito, which inspired the launch of Travelpreneur.com. Catered to new minority travelers, she empowers them to be social do-gooders traveling the world. Listen on to find out more of Adriana's story and why she is a huge advocate for international education. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with Adriana. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? And thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us. So before we get to your tips and tricks, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yes. So my travel journey actually started 10 years ago. May 12th would be 10 years exactly, where I participated on a study abroad program to Spain. And you know, it may not sound super like exciting, but for me it was because it was my first time out of the U.S., even out of the state of Florida where I'm from. And so it was a lot of firsts for me. So going on a plane for the first time, traveling to Spain was very, very exciting, but also scary. But you would think that things would go smoothly, seamlessly, but it wasn't for me because two days into my program, I actually got lost in Madrid, which was our first stop before the actual start of the program. And that was a pivotal moment for me because I actually went abroad to Spain with like the very prideful, very arrogant attitude and mentality. And I actually thought Miami was the center of the world at age 20. I can't even tell you why I thought that. If I were to go back in time and ask myself, I probably wouldn't even have an answer. But that was who I was at that time. And that was significant because it made me much more humble when I got lost, much more appreciative of the entire experience. And with me being a first-generation college student at the time, I didn't have the funds to go back home that second day. And so I was forced, fortunately and unfortunately, to save the duration of the program for six weeks. And so that kind of led my journey up until now as the assistant director of international programs at a college in South Carolina. More of that striving to, one, to encourage other minority underrepresented students to study abroad, 
but also to focus on the the positives and also getting out there, getting outside of your comfort zone to see the world. And my journey hasn't been smooth either. It's been, I have gone on paths that wasn't even carved out, going through mountains and rivers and mud and all that, all of that. And this track wasn't easy. Internships, um, getting fired at one point during my journey and really meeting people to get where I am today. That is a really great thing to be able to do is to leave your current situation, the place that you're in. You were from Miami and there's a lot of vibrant cultures over there. Same here in New York City as well. And we do tend to think that where we are is our whole entire world. And then once you leave the little bubble that you have, your way of thinking suddenly changes. And that's definitely what happened to you, Adriana. It did. It did. I actually compared Miami to Madrid, like not even like, oh, this is same. Okay. I can kind of vibe with this, but more so like, oh, okay. I can handle this. Again, it's that pride I had that one, you can see it as more of a disrespectful way I did that because I overlooked the kind of the differences and kind of their own uniqueness of being its own country and own culture to the point where I kind of allowed my comfort zone to extend to another country, which was the wrong thing to ever do. And that's why I encourage my students to go with an open mind and also just disrespect the culture for what it is. Don't take your American pride or even like your what you think a country or place should be, but to respect it for what it is. I think that's a lot of what our mistakes are when we're going into a new place and a new country is we think we know everything and then we're proven wrong. (laughs) And that definitely happened to you when you got lost. And it also changes the way you think about yourself. It makes you question what, what it is that you're doing and even your sense of knowledge of a lot of things in life. Right, right, right. And that's why it was such an important time for me, because I don't think I would be who I am today or even in the position I am without that experience. And so it made me so much more humble. Like humility was a big lesson for me outside of like learning Spanish and kind of integrating into the culture. It's about humility. And that's why study abroad is such a great way for students and other people to see the world because you have not only your academics and classes that you're going to, but also you're growing personally as well. You're get, getting those soft skills that when you come back home, you can apply them to you know your, your classroom, but also when you go off to grad school or even to a future employer that you are potentially work for. So it is definitely one of those moments that I always look back to, and I didn't realize the, the significance or the impact until much later. <laughs> you know, when I got much older, when I realized what that experience actually meant and why it was such a great point in my life up until now. And at least you learned that about yourself and about traveling, because a lot of people, I think, still travel thinking that and they still don't understand the differences between cultures and the way of thinking between different types of countries. So at least you were able to learn that at such an early age and now you can teach other people to do that. So now, Adriana, I know you had moved around quite a bit. You did study abroad. What has been your life like when you first started to take the initiative to start becoming nomadic and to live 
as a location independent entrepreneur and to start that business that you have online? So it didn't start until maybe eight or nine years later after my city abroad experience. Again, it wasn't a direct path for me. It's taking internships, volunteering abroad, and actually getting fired to get to that point where I wanted to start a business and become location independent on the side of, you know, having a full-time job. And so it was my first internship with the company Go Abroad, where it was there when I realized this is international education is is the field I want to be in. It's, it's, it's a difference between international education and traveling. And I think that's where students actually appreciate other cultures because you're actually studying, you're living the life of of a local versus it's traveling and seeing the, the tourist spots. Um, and it's there where I realized that's where my love is. And through that company, I was able to volunteer abroad. So I got much more involved into kind of like the social entrepreneurship and also impacting and kind of volunteering my skills with a different organization outside of the U.S. And that was in Ecuador in 2015. And so all of that got culminated into kind of like, where do I want to put my energy? And I wanted to put my energy into something bigger than just traveling. I want to put it into a kind of like an avenue for those who want to reach the world, see the world, um, open their minds to other people. And it comes, it boils down to diversity, right? Here in the U.S., we have a melting pot, or should I say like a mixed salad where we have all these differences, but do do we actually appreciate those differences and the different, you know, different people around us? And so that kind of boils up into like a couple of years ago where I wanted to actually do something. It was kind of bubbling up, that fire was there. And so I started Travelpreneur as a way to kind of get the word out there that there's much more to travel than just the tourist spots, to just go into the same places every single year, to actually immerse and learn more about the culture. And so from there, you know, writing about encouraging, again, minority students, minority people to also travel because um, for students who go abroad in the U.S., about 400,000 of them, only 6% identify as African-American. So we have that disparity between who actually goes abroad and travel. And I wanted to put that word out there and encourage them that it is possible and this is how you can do it in a respectful and sustainable way. And so it hasn't gotten to the point where I'm permanently location independent and like remotely working on the business. I am still working full time, which is a balance, (laughs) but it eventually will get there. And, you know, I have that direct contact with students right now. And so I will miss it when that time comes. But this is more about encouraging those students having a population and audience when I actually transition over to a full time for Travelpreneur. And it's a really great sector for you to go into because, like you said, there's not enough minorities, especially Black people, Black men and women who are traveling around the world. What has been your experience like traveling as a Black woman and as a minority? I know there's a lot of different stigmas and maybe misconceptions, too, for people and a lot of fears that they can't do this and that. What has your experience been like? I'm just going back to my experience in Spain and actually studied abroad there twice. So once as a 20-year-old and again as a 23-year-old. And whenever I encounter people while in Spain, while traveling, they really couldn't figure me out because 
they will ask where I'm from, and I, and I say the United States, or I say America in Spanish, and they will assume that meant like Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. <laughs> and so why I never kind of disputed that comment or those statements from them, that that belief from them, I kind of lived in my own bubble of a minority. So to them, I wasn't African-American because I do have light skin. I'm a light-skinned African-American woman. I also kind of wanted to maintain my roots and maintain my, I guess, autonomy while there, because I didn't want them to discriminate against me because you'll see in Spain, there's a lot of discrimination against those who come from Africa. So there's a kind of like, for me, having to walk that line of how much do I reveal and how much do I keep sacred because I didn't want that discrimination to kind of come towards me at that time as a student who's trying to figure out her own life and her own path and who she is at that time. But when it came down to my second study abroad experience, my first study abroad experience, I was the only African-American person. So I really couldn't hide behind anyone. I had extensions. And so it was very, I guess, apparent to some people I was African-American descent. But when it came down to my second study abroad experience, there are two other African-American students. And so I felt more comfortable being Black in Spain because I had kind of like a group group, like a group identity. I had other people to, to feel comfort, confident by and to also talk about the experiences that we had in, in Spain. So to me, is the challenge was either being alone, like Black and alone in Spain versus being in the group in Black in Spain. So those were different experiences for me. But overall, in my travel experience, I've encountered when traveling to Nepal, being maybe the only Black person in the country, some sort of questions and stares because my hair is natural right now before it was relaxed. With it being natural and me light skin, I think it confuses people. Again, they are not sure about my heritage, my background. I think they assumed I was a mix between a white person and black person that was actually from Africa rather than the U.S. Because in their view, the U.S. and the, and the rest of America is all white people. So again, my identity confuses people. And so me having to deal with that confusion and how I choose to identify overseas, whereas here in the U.S., I am a black woman, but overseas, I have to kind of dig deeper into what I say to others, how I explain it to others. And I haven't gotten to that point of how to do that just yet. And that's why communities, Black communities and online communities are so important because you'll find others who are in that similar boat um, and you can kind of go off of each other how best to describe and identify your yourself, myself to others out there in the world who just don't quite get that I'm African American. <laughs> you know, that's two competing ideas to them. Yeah, and it's something that's new. Like you said, nobody really understands that here in the United States, it's what we know. It's right. what we identify people who are African American. It's African and American. It's not just <laughs> African. That's why, right? Right. Um, you know what's really interesting to me, Adriana, is that you think about these things as a minority woman and thinking about how to identify yourself and how to approach people and how you may have to hide yourself from others because you don't want to be scrutinized because there's stigmas against Africans. Right. And not a lot of people understand that, even minority people, until they actually travel. Right. right. I mean, the right. people I, I'm, I'm also a minority. I'm Filipino and I get dark and sometimes people 
don't understand if I'm from Latin America, sometimes like Egyptian or Asian. So there, it's really interesting how you have to actually explain who you are, not as a person, not as an individual, but as a culture, as as a race. And it's it's really... It's not, I mean, a lot of people who are curious about it, it's not out of hate, a lot of them, but it's just curiosity because they've never seen somebody who looks like you before. So it's a really interesting thing that you go through when you're in a minority and you go to a different country who don't understand, <laughs> who don't right. understand that. And, and you have to constantly explain yourself. And sometimes also there's fear that goes into it. Mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. as a minority woman. So not only right. are you looking at the color of your skin, but also your gender, because as a woman alone traveling, especially if you're traveling solo, it's already so many fears that goes into it. Right. But now also a person of color, that's another thing on top of that. Right. So you have dual identities that you have to juggle and which one is is being scrutinized and, you know, disrespected at the time. And going back to my experience in Nepal, I, after having an experience where a prince or former principal of a school came up to me and asked me about how my hair gets, gets so coily and natural. And after that experience, because I felt like in a sense, he was curious, but at the same time, kind of criticizing my appearance, I kind of hid my hair for the rest of the trip because I didn't want those questions to come upon me. And I didn't know how to explain it because no matter how much I or how how hard I tried to explain it, they just didn't get it. And so I hid my hair actually. And that didn't even work because when I went back to another city in Nepal, because I was traveling around for eight days, I there are people who were staring at me. I actually had someone to follow me. And this is, wasn't even my hair. So he really didn't know if I was African, African-American or whatever it, whatever it was, it, he thought I was. So it's like you said, like the dual identities and having to be a solo traveler as a minority is kind of like the double stigma that you'll get from others. And so having to fight that is difficult, which is why it is important for students, not even just college students, but even those in high school to travel just so that they can see us repeatedly and kind of get comfortable with our presence because because only 6% of students study abroad and not too many like minority populations, while it is increasing, aren't traveling to places like Nepal, even to like Asian countries where they can be like, hey, I've seen you before. So I don't need to approach you and kind of touch you or stare at you because you're different. And so this is why this conversation is so important, not just for educators or in higher ed, but just kind of the entire travel community for these reasons, for both minority and women and those combined identities. That is a really great point to to say to Adriana because if people from all over the world were seeing more minorities more black men and women travel more Latin American uh, people traveling Asians everybody traveling they won't be as curious because it's gonna be like mm-hmm. a melting pot so it's a fine line to to see whether sometimes it's just from curiosity and sometimes it is from ignorance, you know, because you <laughs> have not, you haven't seen somebody like that before, which is, which is really understandable because if it was you and I, and we saw somebody so completely different from us, 
it would take out that curiosity from us. But also it's interesting because there's certain cultures that we feel like they're their character is really rude, but that's how they treat each other too, which is really interesting because their their way of thinking and the way they approach people is just very crass sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's not how we are in the United States. You know, you try to be polite. It's always have a nice day, have a good evening. And people, and I, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but in certain countries, you have no personal space. Like people will just go right, on top uh-huh. of you <laughs> uh-huh. so that's another thing yeah that's just it's learning all of these different cultures and also not being in a situation where you feel like you have to hide who you are which is so unfortunate right right it really comes down to your research as well so we can do a lot of research on our end about the communities when you talk about like per- no personal space like I bring in a group of international students every semester and we talk about what the personal space means to us U.S. citizens, because when they're coming from their country, which is more like community aspect, their space is not as significant, but for us it is. You know, we tie those conversations that way that they understand that people are not being rude if they back up. It's actually because they value that distance. And so the same thing would apply for those who of us who are traveling outside the U.S. and going to other countries that it's not that they're being rude. It's just that's their way. That's their, you know, their culture. And so to understand that is even going abroad and understanding w- what it means in identity in these different countries and um, have they ever seen Black people and if what it would be like as a Black person in Asian countries or uh, Latin America, it's, it comes down to research. But again, the more we do our research, the more we go, uh, I'm, the hope is that we get to a point where the negative aspect of uh, being out there with your identity and encouraging your identity to be out there, that that would disappear, that that fine line between having to hide and having to be out there, we can, that no longer will be there. We'll be just who we are. We won't have to explain as much. People just accept us for who we are. And that's what I hope with City Abroad and kind of the international exchange, international education will promote um, not at the college level, but also at the younger level as well. And then we continue this, this dialogue everywhere and continuously promote that. Yeah. And what you're doing too with your website and your blog and just promoting other Black men and women to keep traveling and to really also put themselves out there is so helpful for for all of us to be able to get into the time where it's it's a norm it's the norm you can see so many different types of people traveling and there's not as much curiosity i mean curiosity is not necessarily bad but when but when you feel like you have to hide yourself and your identity then that becomes a different type of level <laughs> of- right <laughs> Exactly. So now I know you are still building your company and your business. How have you been able to create income from your company and your site in order to transition to becoming location independent? So it's been more so of um, sponsored content. So more of the guest posting or um, sponsored content. Um, and this hasn't been, you know, extremely profitable. But again, this is how I can balance having to work on the blog outside of work and also maintain my sanity during work hours. Um, so it's getting to a point where I'm developing, getting more 
revenue through through sponsored content, guest posting, and just just putting content out there because that's how you build the foundation of a, a blog, the content. That way you can start building courses and building funnels that will bring in the money. And so that's why I am right now building that content to further go on and build courses because I want to build that trust with my community and, and the people who are looking at Travelpreneur as a resource. That way they can come in and take courses with me and in the future to possibly take trips and you know group trips with me even solo travel because i highly promote solo travel travel just because it's it's again it's another another aspect of you learning about yourself growing personally if not professionally and so that's where i am right now in terms of getting that income and i'm not in a rush to get it just because i'm enjoying my full-time job at right now but building the content is my main focus right now my priority right now it's also great because you're not pushing yourself too thin on a lot of things because you still have your day job and you could really build out this business before you leave. And that's a really good thing to do because you don't want to be scrambling around and not making income and then you don't have a place to live and you become homeless or something. <laughs> right, right, right. It's the, it, it is the balance. And, you know, I've gone back and forth between, okay, I'll the next several several months, I'll think about going on my own. But I think in my spirit, just thinking about why, I mean, I love my job, is that living it right now doesn't feel right. So it has to feel right, even amongst having to have the, the savings, um, enough savings to last either six months up to a year. It's about like right now, it doesn't feel right to move on just because I have I have unfinished business at my full-time job in, inter- in international education because both my blog in the field at my job are intertwined so much. So I'm enjoying both at this time and I'm just loving it. Well, it's a good thing too that you love what you do because it's not something that you really need to get out of. And I know a lot of people want to leave their nine to five, but for you, it will be an easy transition if you do decide to leave later on and you have that option whether to stay or to go. And that's a good thing. You know, you don't necessarily have to hate your nine to five if you love it. Man, that's a dream we all should have. (laughs) I know. And again, it has taken me some time to get here, but you set a goal and you continuously work at it. So four years ago, I was at a point where I wanted to be in international education. I kept applying, but at the same time, I was also putting myself in positions where I was getting experience on the side of my full-time job. So I've done internships, two internships, actually. I actually presented when I was, before I was even ready to present. And that's where I met so many people who were already in the field and how I actually met the person who hired me to be at this job. So I think for those who dislike their jobs right now, kind of like put yourself in positions where you can get to where you want to be. Because I think a lot of people, they see others, you know, say, oh, I left my job to travel the world. And I think they feel pressured that that's where they need to be. But if you want to have a a full-time job and have a side hustle that eventually become profitable, do that. I don't see a problem with it. As long as you love what you do or putting yourself in positions where you can get there, it is possible. It took me five years to get here. Uh, Well, actually a little less than that because I've been here going on three years. It's taken me some time to get here, but I appreciate the journey for what I learned for the people I met in order to kind of use that experience to what I'm doing right now and for the future. 
It's a really important thing to emphasize that you don't necessarily need to leave your nine to five to have a really good life because there are a lot of people out there who love their nine to five and there's nothing wrong with that. In order to leave your nine to five, there has to be a purpose. In order to travel, there has to be another purpose than just to travel to travel and you know, you just want to look cool and you want to do this and that. I mean, you could do that, but it can't be forever. You can take like maybe a few months off or even a year. But even people who are nomadic who do this as a living, there comes a point in their life where it becomes too much, right? And then you tend to slow down. That's why there's people that do slow travel. But it's also not for everybody. And there shouldn't be a pressure to leave your nine to five or to stay in there. It should just be something that's right for you personally. So even though I do interview a lot of people who have done that, and I have done that myself, it takes a long time of preparation and also self-searching to see Mm -hmm. if it's the right thing for you. And it's not something that you're just jumping into and then you're leaving something altogether. I mean, it has worked for people, but... (laughs) Right. But it shouldn't be something that you feel like you have to do it because it's so popular right now. You know, it's a trend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is not a trend. And and again, this going back to what is right for you, what it feels right in your spirit. And then you go at your own pace. I think what does having being on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and all, and we see these the success stories, we only see like the end, we only see that result. We don't see what it took to get there. And I think we just have to remember that we have to live for ourselves. And if we move before it is time or before we prepare for it, it can really kind of, you know, push you back a step or two. You know, we, we all get into that mindset that we see other people's lives and we think it's so beautiful and we think it's perfect. It's always the grass is greener on the other side. Right. But like you said, we don't see the struggle in the beginning. We don't see how much these people actually worked in order to get to that point. How many years of saving, how many years of anxiety and how many failures they've gone through in order to get to this point. And one of the things I always say, it's really hard work to be lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And they, remember, like for me, traveling is exhausting. Sometimes I enjoy having to be in one place, like my job, for a month or two before I head out to someplace else. And I also travel for my job. So I have the luxury of doing both, you know, traveling traveling for pleasure, but also traveling for work. And sometimes like this, at the end of last year, I was traveling it back to back. And I was like, can I see my family? Can I see my dog? <laughs> and so I like having a home base before, like, Several years ago, I'm like, I, I don't know where I want to live. For me now, I appreciate appreciate having a home base to come home to, be in my own bed and seeing see my family, seeing my dog. And I, he can't travel around as much as I can. So I appreciate having a home base, something to come home to and look forward to. Because whenever I'm traveling, I enjoy getting on the plane and praying that uh, the flight will make it home. That's That's my dream. Once I get there, I just hope to get home because I want to see my family. I want to see my dog. I want to see kind of like life outside of travel travel as well. Yeah, it's it's different for everybody too. So now, Adriana, let's fast forward to 30 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I want to be the Beyonce of international education. (laughs) 
And so what that means is I, so yes, on the shallow level, I want to be the star. I want to be a star of international education, but I want to be a, a change maker, someone who has led and encouraged a, a million students and underrepresented minority students to study abroad and, you know, understand the impact of traveling the world and getting that experience, not only because we want to see those numbers increase, but also because it will benefit them in the U.S. in the long run. We appreciate that diversity at different employers. So I do want to be the Beyonce of international education. I'm not going to perform, but I want people to recognize my face as being someone who advocated for students, advocated for the funding to get students abroad the advocate for you know kind of the policy making at higher ed in the government. So that's what I want to be remembered by, and I want students to remember and to know that they can, that there is room to grow, that there is a journey out there for them. I hope that it includes international education when they go off to college, when they go off to high school, even afterwards. That is not a separate idea to get an education and then to study abroad or to travel. It is the same idea. Like it's all part of getting an education and learning more about yourself and also the world. That is such a great legacy. And you're already starting that today with your job and also your business. So great start already there, Adriana. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on my blog at Travelpreneur. That's T-A-T-R-A-V e-p-r-e-n-e-u-r.com and you can find me on all the social media platforms with that travelpreneur instagram facebook twitter and just kind of hang out with me and so we can talk about traveling while black traveling as a woman solo travel traveler and more about how if you have children who are coming up in high school and college how they can also study abroad because you know, for me, as being a first generation student, my mom didn't know about this. So I'm sure there are parents out there who want to get their children to study abroad and have that experience as well. And I'm willing to talk about that from my personal perspective, but also my professional, um, you know, guidance and, and, and view. Wonderful. We will make sure to put a link out on our show notes for that on the website. Thank you so much, Adriano, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Debbie, for having me. And to shout out everyone who is studying abroad, take care and see you later. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Adriana. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Adriana where she shares how to discover new perspectives while studying abroad. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.